So when you're talking about a country the scale of India, even small changes there lead to massive, massive market opportunities. What surprises me that everybody that opens a cafe seems to do well from day one. I don't know anybody who opened a cafe and then went bust in six months. There is an untold story that people are curious about, which is a country as large and prolific as India. I mean, why is it not known for coffee? Why is there no cognizance of coffee, despite the fact that, you know, they're producing the fifth or sixth largest volume in the world out of 23, 24 odd producing countries? Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Today, we continue our exploration of the Indian coffee market by focusing on the country's love for specialty coffee. For many years, coffee drinking in India was either instant or darkly roasted coffee beans brewed with chicory, or not at all, with the cherished national beverage being chai tea. In all cases, mixed with milk and many spoonfuls of sugar. But as the size of Indian's middle-class population expands exponentially, so does demand for a craft specialty coffee experience. Today, as Indian consumers are ordering cappuccinos and flat whites in record numbers, the specialty coffee shop is becoming embedded into the daily routines of the new middle class. And long-overlooked, locally-grown Indian coffees are now becoming a source of national pride. What is the appeal of specialty coffee to the Indian consumer? How quickly is this market growing? And what plans do India's specialty cafe operators have to harness this exciting new era for Indian coffee? We hear from Mike Khan of La Matsoko, Rahul Reddy of Subcoast Specialty Coffee Roasters, and we start with Namrata Asthana and Matt Chitaranjan, co-founders of Blue Tokai, a leading force in India's specialty coffee movement. Namrata was raised in the Middle East and worked in the US, while Matt is an American citizen with Indian heritage, and together they started Blue Tokai in 2013. As of today, they've successfully opened 65 cafes across seven Indian cities, three roasteries with an impressive list of over 1,000 B2B customers, and established a network of 50 Indian coffee growers. And they're not stopping anytime soon. Their plan is to open 200 more shops in the next four years. And in case you're wondering about the name, Tokai is an ancient Malabari word for the bloom of a peacock. Welcome, Namata and Matt. Thank you for having us. Really excited to be here. So tell me about your journey. You both moved to India from America to pursue different careers. What's the story behind Blue Tokai? I just remember waking up one morning and just telling Matt, I'm like, Matt, I just, I just want someone to deliver a freshly brewed roasted cup of coffee to our door and just tell me a little bit about it. And Matt, who's just used to like hearing all these crazy ideas come out of me, he was, you know, for the first time, he was like, you know, we could do that. Mm. And from there, we basically ended up cold calling tons of coffee estates. And I recall one of these growers telling us that, uh, you know, India is a very price sensitive market. What you guys are trying to do, it'll never work. You can't sell specialty Arabica here. You have to blend it with Robusta or blend it with chicory because that's what Indian consumers want. We obviously were trying to do something very different, source only specialty grade Arabica. And we actually ended up convincing that grower to work with us. And we continue to work with that grower today. Yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, the words that he used were, and I quote, uh, I don't mean to discourage you, but you're going to fail. And 
I remember just for a moment being like, oh my God, how do we even convince the people who were trying to support that this is going to work? And then there was like a moment's worth of silence in the room. And then there was this voice that came from the other corner and he was like, dad, I don't understand. I think it will work. And we turned around and like his son was sitting in the corner and we realized like we're trying to do something really different on a roasting level. But there was the whole next generation just waiting to change the scene of like coffee processing on the farm level as well. Like this would happen simultaneously. So how would you say the coffee culture in India has changed in those last 10 years? India has always had a coffee culture. It's perceived as being very tea-driven culture, but actually in the south of the country, they have a culture of drinking what's called filter coffee, a very concentrated decoction that's often mixed with coffee and chicory, and then it's cut with milk and sugar. Uh, Whereas in the north, the coffee culture there has traditionally been driven more by instant coffee. Now, fast forward, specialty coffee has really become more prominent and and extended throughout the entire country. It's also, in parallel, led to a steady growth in sort of this home brewing culture. And is is this trend being driven by external forces? I mean, so I think there's a couple of things. One is across the world, specialty coffee has become increasingly popular. Now, India, like all coffee-growing countries, is from this area of the world, which has typically been lower income. And what's happened over the last, let's say, 10 to 20 years is that these countries have really developed a lot economically. And so now they're uh, consumers who are earning enough money, and now they're starting to desire better quality products. And it's not just a trend that you see within coffee, but you see it across all consumer goods. So whether it's dairy, cheese, yogurt, bakery products, alcohol, you're increasingly seeing domestic consumers who are wanting better quality options. What are the next steps for Blue Tokai? So the focus for us as a brand is to be the go-to company for anyone who wants a good cup of coffee, no matter wherever or however a consumer likes to drink it. Cafes will be a significant part of that. From the 65 that we have now, we plan to open up another 200 over the next four years. But at the same time, also being more prevalent in offices and other wholesale partners. And then on the consumer side, it's really focusing on products that marry convenience with quality. So for us, we see uh, ready to drink and ready to brew as categories that have significant potential. And we plan on scaling quite a bit in those areas. Why do you think there is that much growth in this market? You know, is there not a risk that all of a sudden... You've saturated some of the biggest cities and all of a sudden you find yourselves with too many stores. Uh, No, we don't see that happening for quite a long time. I mean, I think there's a few things driving that. One is the growth of the country overall with the development that's happening within India. Every year, the the consumer base is, is growing as more and more people enter this middle class and upper middle class. And so when you're talking about a country, the scale of India... Even small changes there lead to massive, massive market opportunities. And then at the other side, uh, supply is very, very limited. If you look at a market like uh, Bombay right now, Starbucks has more than 150 stores just within that one market. We have currently only 10. So for us, we see even going deeper within our existing market, significant space for us to grow before we, we run into those sort of cannibalization or saturation points. What are the most popular beverages in your cafes? Cappuccino is number one. Ice lattes are number two. 
But overall, milk-based beverages are almost three quarters of the overall cafe sales. So what would be the typical price of a cappuccino? So we sell it for a little bit more than $2. That's a huge price compared to the average Indian wage, no doubt. Yeah, so if, if you want to go get a, a roadside tea or, or even an instant coffee on, on the roadside, that'll cost you around 20 cents. So it's about 10 times the cost of what the cheapest alternative would be. How does tea get woven into the menus of an Indian coffee chain? We've tried partnering with a lot of tea companies, but it just hasn't really worked out because a lot of people who come to our cafes don't really come for the tea and aren't like really open to trying it. In India, tea is considered more of like the everyday common thing. Everybody makes it in their home. There's many, many roadside stalls that are selling tea for 10 rupees. So people, when they go out to cafes, are going out more for something different that they can't recreate in their own home. So that's why we don't see a lot of uptake for tea because just sort of the buying behavior when you're going out to a cafe is you want to sort of celebrate something or have a break from the everyday and tea just doesn't have the same cachet that that coffee does in that respect. Now, looking 10 years ahead, what are the opportunities for Blue Tokai? Personally, I would feel so incredibly happy if in the future, Blue Tokai could play a very active role in sponsoring and promoting more Indian art and culture because we are a coffee shop and we are associated with really good Indian coffee, but our aim also is to be associated with Indian culture. To piggyback on what Namrata is saying, I do think that there is a really significant opportunity to take our brand outside of India. Indian coffee is really underappreciated globally. It's very rare that you walk into a coffee shop in other parts of the world and see an Indian coffee on the menu. Whereas the the quality of coffee that is being grown by our partners and, and that we're roasting can really sit on the menu of any cafe anywhere. And I think on a on a larger sort of socioeconomic goal is that all of the big coffee brands are from the global north, whereas coffee is grown in the global south. And so right now what's happening is the global south is being sort of seen as just basically an agricultural supplier where a lot of the value creation is happening in companies that are based in the global north where there's larger coffee consumption. And I think that as India and some of these other coffee producing countries are are growing and developing and, and the quality and sophistication of those markets is really advancing tremendously, there's an opportunity for brands such as ourselves to go and have our presence felt in these larger coffee consuming countries. Being from the coffee producing country where we obviously are able to tell a much different story to consumers, not only about the coffee, but about the cultural aspects that Namrata is saying. And I think that coffee and culture have always been synonymous. And so to be able to tell that linkage in a holistic manner is something that's, that's very compelling for, for consumers around the world. We launched our brand in Japan, we have a roastery there, we have a kiosk there. And the response that we've seen there has been tremendous. People not only appreciate the quality of coffee that we have, but they appreciate the art and cultural aspects and the fact that we're from a coffee producing country. So with all that opportunity there, there must certainly be some challenges. What for you are the main challenges to growing your business in India? I think one is because there hasn't been a very strong coffee culture for a long time, finding, developing, and training people is is a big challenge. Yes, India has a a very large labor force, 
But because there hasn't been a, a vibrant coffee industry for a long time, training people in terms of how to make coffee, how to explain to customers what's the difference between all the different types of coffees that we have and how to really deliver good customer service, that's a, a, a big challenge for us. And we, we invest a lot of time and resources in training and upskilling people so that they can deliver the type of experience we would like them to. Another challenge that's facing all countries, but especially coffee producing countries because of where they're geographically located is, is climate change is starting to have a, a very significant impact, not only at the farm level, but also on the cities in terms of weather patterns, overwhelming infrastructure, and that, that, that causes quite a bit of issues. The other thing that is specific to our business is that real estate costs are, are quite high relative to purchasing power. So there are some markets that we operate cafes, uh, some micro markets, where the rents are equivalent to any large city in the U.S., whereas the, the price that we're able to charge for a cup of coffee is obviously capped by the overall income level here. So these are just some of the, the larger challenges that we face as a business. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. Thank you so much for having it. It was fascinating to hear that the opportunity is so huge for specialty coffee shops across India that even after opening hundreds of stores, Matt thinks the market will continue to be underserved. These growth numbers are simply off the clock compared to the rates of growth we see in Europe and America. Now let's get a broader view of the market through the lens of Mike Khan, area export manager for espresso equipment maker Lamatsoko. Mike began his career as a sound technician before eventually joining Lamatsoko as an after-sales manager in 2012. Today, he's responsible for exports to Africa, the Indian subcontinent, and a select few European countries. Welcome, Mike. Hello, how are you doing? Tell us what's happening in the Indian coffee market today. I think it was maybe a month ago, India actually surpassed China as the most populous country in the world. So they're now at 1.4 billion people, which it's a lot. The cities in India are enormous. You know, 20 or 30 million people to a city is a big city. So what's going on in the coffee business in India is that coffee is still one of those aspirational things. People uh, want to be seen in coffee shops because tea is the mainstream drink and tea is so cheap that once you've made it, if you've got and all these tech jobs you hear about, you know, the education system in India is great. So there's plenty of people in tech jobs. And once they've made it into these jobs, their aspiration is to have coffee. Coffee is the middle class drink. It's still, you know, if you take away a billion people who are probably not economically active enough to uh, afford a cup of coffee. What's left is 400 million people, which is no small number of people who want to drink coffee, want to be seen drinking coffee and visit these coffee shops. Wow. And the culture is kind of interesting because, you know, here in the UK or maybe in uh, North America, it's not uncommon to see someone carrying their coffee to their office. So people would go and collect their coffee. But in India, it's kind of the other way around. People carry their office to the coffee. So there are quite a few people would be seen carrying their laptop and go to sit in their local cafe window and do work for a couple of hours. And so are we also seeing the rise of little independence as well? Well, it's hard to say because almost everybody you speak to will tell you it's the first store of a chain. 
everybody understands, you know, even in the same city, you could open 10 stores and never see the same customer through the door at each one. So there are economies of scale, and it's one of those places where people already see the economy of scale before they open the door of their first place. And if you were to compare the look and feel of, let's say, a artisan, a modern coffee chain in India, how would that compare to, say, the UK market? A lot of the new cafes and chains are opening in quite cosmopolitan areas, although you wouldn't necessarily know it because you can step from dust to polished marble in one step. So the inside of the stores, a lot of stores are beautifully finished with high quality stone and marble and granite and high quality equipment. Not all, but there are a good number of the specialty shops kind of showing their difference by having these very high class looking interiors. There is sometimes no expense spared on the decor of the shop. Probably the biggest chain used to be Cafe Coffee Day. It has very much reduced in volume since the founder passed away and they've pared back some of their unprofitable stores. And they're less uh, salubrious interiors and they're selling coffee quite affordably. And they're a good stepping stone for people to get from no coffee to coffee on their way to the specialty coffee. And what about... The Starbucks and the Costas, how do they fare in that market? Starbucks is, is doing very well. They are sort of a benchmark for the specialty coffee. They, unusually for them, they roast their coffee locally, partly because India has a, a very high tariff on green or roasted coffee because they grow so much of their own. India is probably known more for its robusta. But there is a lot of Arabica and there is a lot of quality Arabica and it's finding a home in its home market. So some of the big roasters, so Lavazza and Starbucks, both roast their own Indian coffee in India. And Blue Tokai, Koinonia, Casey Roasters, all of these guys have interests in farms of their own. So they find farms and then they can work with them to promote their quality. So they have increasing quality and increasing quantity of coffee in India. Maybe we're just walking back through your own experience. Was there anything that surprised you, you know, on your first trip? What surprises me that everybody that opens a cafe seems to do well from day one. I don't know anybody who opened a cafe and then went bust in six months, which is not unusual here in Europe that people overstretch themselves. So there's some interesting a city called Surat, which is on the west coast, a little north of Mumbai. It's in a region which is a dry state, so they're not, there's no alcohol. And cafes there are probably opening one a week. And the cafe has become a place to go for breakfast, a place to go for lunch, a place to go for dinner. And it becomes you know, almost the equivalent of a nightclub. So people go there of an evening. And, and they open till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning still serving coffee almost 16 hours a day. It's unreal. Wow. No doubt. Yeah, great business opportunity for coffee equipment companies. Absolutely. And have you seen any interest in the home coffee market or is this playing out really at the moment now out of the home mainly? There are a couple of retail semi-online stores and that seems to be a growing market. It is very small. It is not anything like what you would see in Europe particularly in mainland Europe, where home brewing is very much a thing. 
it is growing, but it's not anywhere close to how interesting the commercial coffee market is. So the cafes are doing well. You know, you've dealt with so many different cultures across Europe. You've spent a lot of time sort of working with coffee operators here in the UK. Do you see any different types of behaviors? There's not so much innovation. There is some innovation in the processing of coffee. There's quite a lot of coffee processing improvements. So honey process, you know, natural or washed coffees. And I've experienced people serving Liberica, for example, which is interesting. In terms of innovation in how they're dealing with customers or how, you know, what they're doing differently, it really is quite a straightforward formula. You know, serve good coffee, have nice places. People tend to stay in the cafes for a lot longer. So you see people in the cafes probably for an hour or more. There's not very much in drink the coffee and leave. And so then less takeaway. Almost no takeaway. Yeah. It's interesting to see some of the things that we see here changing, like cold brew is becoming a thing. People are, are looking at cold brew or hot brewed and cold served coffee. So iced coffee is also a thing. So what would you expect from the Indian coffee market in the next two to five years? Is this boom going to continue? It will continue for a while. I think what you might start seeing are some of these Indian chains expanding outside of India because exporting coffee from India is easier than importing it. So no chance of this market slowing down anytime soon. I wouldn't bet on it. Well, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Mike's experience that everybody seems to be doing well confirms to me that the Indian coffee market is expanding in all directions. Premium coffee spaces are fast becoming critical social hubs and extensions of the office for upwardly mobile Indian consumers. To finish this episode, we explore the very boutique end of the specialty coffee market by speaking with Rahul Reddy, founder of Subco Specialty Coffee Roasters. Subco is a specialty coffee roaster and craft bakehouse based in Mumbai that is soon expanding into craft chocolate. Rahul brings a diverse skill set to the Indian coffee industry, including an early experience as a Starbucks barista in California, a tech sales and marketing career in New York City, and more recently worked in geopolitical risk consulting. Welcome, Rahul. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Really nice to be here. So tell us, what is Subco today? Subco, it's a play on words. It's actually short for subcontinent, as the Indian arena is known in sort of political science terms. And it translates to for everybody in Hindi and Urdu and sort of many regional languages in, in the region. So from the subcontinent for all was a real ethos of the brand. So we started, weirdly enough, with the goal of figuring out how the Indian specialty coffee story, and I was very specific about when I say specialty, I meant specialty, not just from a SCA qualification of specialty, meaning 80 plus points, but actually more of like a premium specialty offering in the vein of an Onyx coffee or, you know, what have you, yep. how would that look and feel and be experienced? And is there actually the possibility of working with farmers granularly on their processing efforts to actually get Indian coffees to that level of sort of an 85 plus point score offering from India? And that's sort of the, the sort of beating heart and soul of the idea of Subco was how can design language, experiential elements, content creation, 
and 85 plus point coffee all sort of coalesce first at origin and be building it at origin here in India. And then if somehow people took to it, could we then potentially entice other people in other cities like London to, to care about Indian coffee in a way that perhaps they hadn't before? There is an untold story that people are curious about, which is a country as large and prolific as India. I mean, why is it not known for coffee? Why is there no cognizance of coffee, despite the fact that, you know, they're producing the fifth or sixth largest volume in the world out of 23, 24 odd producing countries? It seems like pretty good timing at the moment with India being on the rise economically. Is that going to help you along? I, I think so, Jeff. I can't, I can't say that that didn't occur to me at all. I did feel that India was going to eventually be, uh, for better or for worse, an unstoppable economic force. So I said, look, maybe I can dedicate myself to specializing in some way in what this region's growth story may be. I wanted to actually build the brand at the origin first. And I wanted to see if that would open up pathways and interest for us to maybe bring, um, bring that story, those products. That's the sort of beauty of Indian coffee and, and even Indian wheat. We actually use Indian wheat in our sourdough, which most people don't know. So we, we're kind of really trying to create this very strong regional framework that I think does speak to India's growing place in the global consciousness. In your view, how has the Indian specialty coffee market changed in the last, I don't know, that must be a four or five years you've, you've been back in India? Before Subco had entered the market here, I would say that India was already going through a change in cafe culture, where there was an interest in Starbucks has, you know, made a, a major play in, in the Indian market. And people, you know, started understanding coffee as a more premium position product through their first experiences with Starbucks. And then after that, um, there became a proper third wave movement in the cafe space that started where better machines were visible. You had specialty coffee machinery like La Marzocco, you know, espresso machines and things of that nature. And I think the culture and understanding became, oh, great, I can finally get some of those experiences that I had with, you know, a good cup of coffee that was maybe traceable to a farm, you know, into, into my own daily life here in India, at least in the sort of what they call the tier one cities, you know, your, your Mumbai or Delhi or Bangalore. And we've tried to push beyond that notion that, okay, now you can get better cafe experiences into this sort of hyper-specialty, premium, very craft and experiential sort of understanding of specialty coffee. And that has a lot to do, I think, with in-store experiences that are very graphic and education-driven, design in terms of packaging and content, and of course, pushing the envelope with our coffee partners on their processing so we can really get really boozy flavors naturally out of the coffee or very fruity flavors or very things that are not expected in general from coffee. And then when you add the Indian word to it, where you're like, whoa, Indian coffee must just be very basic or just dark roasted and okay, it's serviceable. It, it gives me a little bit of a caffeine kick. But we wanted to go past that and be like, can we get delicate notes from this? Can we get florality? Can we get sweetness and sort of jamminess from it? And I think the combination of that experiential and design-driven approach and the approach of saying, let's, let's create wholly new flavor experiences around coffee for the Indian market, I think has moved the industry in a direction of sort of looking at specialty in a new light. What are customers typically drinking in your establishments? The fanfare of the flat white, you know, when you walk around the street in London has kind of very quickly translated over here. I think that a lot of cappuccinos and flat whites are definitely quite prominent. 
I do, however, think that there's been almost even to me quite a surprising rise, a meteoric rise of home brewing and pour overs. And I think that's been very interesting to see. Now, it's nowhere near as prominent as a cultural aspect of somebody's day in a London or a New York, but I think it's changing rapidly. And I look at it as the, the future really looks very coffee-like in India because there's a demographic divide. So people above the age of maybe 50 or so, maybe even a bit older than that, are, are quite tied to their chai, you know, or their tea culture. Now, I think folks that are below that age look at chai and, and tea in general as something that is kind of very family and home and maybe nostalgic. And I think coffee is viewed as the socialization tool. It's viewed as the, the sort of beverage that you create ideas around and you frequent and design comes into the picture and cool experiences around coffee are, are more and more of a thing. So I think that's kind of where the consumer is going is a lot more interest in black coffee in general. You know, cold brew as a category is picking up massively over here. And even if it has to start with flavors, there's still a lot of people that are drinking black coffee with a flavor that otherwise would have never, you know, ever had coffee without milk. So I think there's an evolution happening very rapidly. Well, sounds like a, a bright future ahead for your business and also for the entire Indian coffee industry. I, I certainly hope so, Jeff. Great. Well, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Way. Bull's thoughts confirm a growing appetite among India's affluent consumers for diverse gourmet experiences well beyond coffee. And the fact that these experiences are increasingly made in India is a major selling point. Reflecting back on everything we've heard, it's clear that India's specialty coffee industry is undergoing a phenomenal rapid transformation. India's growing middle class are craving artisanal food experiences and embracing specialty coffee outlets as extensions of their living rooms and offices. And as these new Indian coffee businesses ride this momentous wave, I'm convinced it's only a matter of time before we see homegrown Indian brands making their mark in Europe and America. And in the next and final episode of this mini-series, we'll speak with Balanor Plantations, to gain a deep insight into the fascinating world of India's fast and dynamic coffee-growing segment. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the Weekly Coffee Dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Fast and Far by Shrink the Giant. And until next time, whether you're at home or in a cafe, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. Floating till the trees will sing